<laughs> Welcome back to Geeks, the world's number one entertainment podcast recorded live in these rooms. I'm your host, Al White, and oh my god, it's been a long time since I got to say that sentence. Joining me for this very special episode, and again, they're all special because we do them whenever we want to, which makes every, everything's unique in this world, right? Yes. So, everything's special. Yes. Uh, other than some people I've met. <laughs> um, Alexander Chad. Hello, I'm back. And... <laughs> it's me again <laughs> in case you're not sick of him every week on the Blair Witch Show right now Hello. here he is again <laughs> and our extra special guest Mary Beth McAndrews hi, excited to be here yay so you have two names as a first name correct? Beth is not a middle name so actually it is, it's weird um, I'm Mary Elizabeth ex- ex- to be precise but I go by Mary Beth so it is technically two names do you, would you respond to Mary or just no? Um, I would prefer not to be called Mary. Mary, it is. <laughs> All right, <Shit>. let's. <laughs> <laughs> I revealed um, my secret, <laughs> my, my one weakness, my kryptonite. You fell into that trap. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> So we are here for a number of reasons. Um, we are going to be talking about all those goddamn video games that came out over the last couple of weeks. Because, well, since the 15th of August, at least, there's been a whole bunch. Finally. Too many, Finally. Seriously. It's been a drought. And now there's so many fucking games. Uh, so we're going to be chatting through, We've like, each of us have played at least some, if not all of them. So we're going to, like, talk through different ones and perspectives and ask each other questions. Then we might do a bit on recent cinema stuff. Uh, we're definitely going to briefly touch on the Spidey situation and a little dinosaur fun that happened today, um, which we weren't expecting to talk about. The Land Before Time to. 7. <laughs> I think they <laughs> went way beyond that. I think they're up to like part 14 by now or something. <laughs> Whenever I look up like franchises for us to cover, The Land Before Time always pops up on Google because it's like the <laughs> longest franchise. <laughs> Um, and then we're going to get into Tiff. So, Mary Beth, we'll talk about you in a second, but uh, you and I uh, met at a... Well, where did we meet, actually? We met, we in, met Chicago. in Chicago when I saw Starfish. Yes. And then you're a lovely critic. Uh, we've hung out a few times since, and you were at Tiff, saw loads of films. I only saw a few films, but we hung out here. And then we're going to talk a few of those movies. Uh, Alex is going to adjudicate it, so if you're worried about spoilers, Alex hates them spoilers. <laughs> I fucking so much. hate them. I will probably end up smashing my computer while these two yabber on. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going to make sure we don't do that. And then what we're going to do is kind of a three-tier Joker thing at the end. So both me and Mary Beth have seen it. Um, We have the feelings. We haven't actually... I know her feelings because she wrote about them online. She does not know my feelings. And we're going to talk about it in as sensible and rationable a manner as is humanly possible. Yep. Um, (laughs) And we'll start with a completely non-spoiler review of it at the end, because Alex will be here, then he's going to fuck off, um, and then we're gradually going to get more spoilery. Yep. But we'll give you good fair warning. Yeah. So don't worry. Yeah. So lots of fun things. But first, before we do, Mary Beth, it's... uh, (laughs) The only word that came to my head is it's typical for people <laughs> on this podcast. That's not right. Uh, what's the word? Tradition. When something's tradition. There you go. Mm, typical. It's typical for our fucking guests to hog the limelight <laughs> at the beginning and tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, we like to normally define that by sort of three to five things that you think sum you up as a human being and everyone should judge you by. Okay. Uh, so cool. Do you have anything to offer? I did. I actually wrote them down because I was I didn't want to freeze and forget. So, okay. My, th- my five things are Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Correct. Um, Ooh, good. 
bagel sandwiches, specifically um, egg and cheese and sausage bagel sandwiches on toasted everything bagel. Wow. Um, Curious. Toasted is a good word. 30 Days of Night, uh, that vampire movie. Uh, Sufjan oh, Stevens yeah. and and wait wait do you like do you like the comic as well I do I love I actually have a bunch of them on the bookshelf behind uh, behind me I love okay. the graphic novel um I like the the style of uh, Temple Smith I forgot his first name but his uh, style is really good um Sufjan Stevens for music and then uh, Lacroix mm. specifically the grapefruit flavor because that is who I am as a person incorrect very good uh, very good <laughs> that was a fantastic smattering of you know just personality so thank you thank i feel you. like now we all understand you yeah. welcome uh, to the geeks family <laughs> thank you That's so all much it takes. great to be here <laughs> bearing bearing your favorite citrus flavors now you will um, never be uh, able to get out of this crazy family <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're now captured <laughs> guys oh no all right we're, when we get to the end, this we'll get more into like where, where people can like um, find you and, and read all of those words that you write, Mary Beth. Um, but Alex, actually, do you have anything you want? I mean, people have heard from you every week. I thought you have nothing new to add. Do you need to express yourself in any way? Um, hi guys, you've been listening to me lately on the Blair Witch podcast, maybe the Conjuring podcast as well. Uh, we also touch base on the Child's Play podcast. Um, you don't really, Three in a row. you don't really need to hear anything else, Robbie. <laughs> And where are we right now? We just did Four Corners of Fear, didn't we? So we got the Blair Witch remake, uh, or reboot, or sequel, or whatever you want to call it. That's about to hit this week. Please be excited. One thing I will say is, in between the last time we did a podcast like this, where we kind of covered a bunch of different things, which was on 4th of July, um, the new Star Wars sizzle reel trailer, I guess, kind of dropped for Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I just want to see the goddamn movie now. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I'm very excited, but I'm just very... I'm just so curious how it's all going to wrap up. Yeah. Are, are you not more excited for The Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. That, uh, I think I'm, I'm more excited for The Mandalorian. That, that Is The Mandalorian going to be a TV show? Yep. Yes. It's on Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So you have to shell out money for a service run by evil people. <laughs> but it still Dang. looks really good. Show. It looks amazing. Oh, it looks so good. That's how they yeah. get you. They make something that looks really good and you can't resist, and they make you subscribe out of pure anger. Yeah. Because they're holding. God damn it! It worked. And I mean, the thing with the Mandalorian trailer is is that you know you can have a certain. I mean, nowadays most television is of like cinematic quality anyway but you can still feel like with a project like that that there may still be a drop uh in the quality of design and effects and stuff like that but mandalorian looks like you could see it on on a big screen like it looks so good yeah looks so good yeah no look it looks fucking beautiful it really does i'm I'm more excited about that to be honest i don't know why and it could be when rise comes out i really love it but for some reason the trailers haven't got me that excited um, whereas Mandalorian it feels fresh and different and mm-hmm. yeah I don't know um, alright Star Wars boy <laughs> we're going to talk about video games uh, <laughs> if you can just keep it in your pants for one second you just have to wedge it in there God. oh my God. Um, <laughs> so very quick before we get all the new releases I do want to say I've been playing a lot of uh, releases that came out earlier this year that I hadn't got around to plenty of ones on Switch just because I'm trying to like 
get ahead of stuff before the end of year comes because it's coming we're near the end of September it's scary Um, and I do want to just say three which I know one is one that Alex might want to pitch in on Um, I played I played some of Baba Is You which is a Switch game Um, it's really fucking you're smiling Mary Beth do you know this game? I love Baba Is You it's so cool it's such a cool game it's like the puzzle it's just like I love puzzle games and it's such a different kind of puzzle game and it's hard like yeah oh it's really hard it's really hard but it's so simple in the way that yeah so you have you can explain actually probably better no 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 you go for it so you just have this little it's like a little sheep and you play is it like a sheep yeah because you play a little sheep and you have words say baba equals you and like stone like this picture equals stone and you can move things around and change what those words mean in order to get to the flag at the end and it's like it starts pretty easy and you can just push things around but then it gets even more complicated with how you can change objects to be different objects and there's many different ways to solve puzzles which i think is really interesting too and there's a lot of room for creativity and it's like kind of simple setup yeah and the design of it's just really adorable like it's this kind of weird warped version of 8-bit but it's it's just really cool and it's really it's a perfect little puzzle game to have on the switch when you if, particularly if you're traveling or something yeah. um it is incredibly hard like it makes me hate myself um <laughs> but most things do so that's fine all right <laughs> uh, but i do really recommend it it's cheap and yeah <laughs> um no it's cheap and it's it's definitely unique and it will definitely be in contention for me for in the top you know top sort of five or whatever at the end of the year Ooh, um, i also play a little bit of well yeah i don't think well yeah I don't know. I might regret that. Um, I played a bit of Trooper Brook, which is a uh, sort of point-and-click adventure sort of game, uh, like a sort of, you know, um, Lucas Arts kind of style uh, thing. Um, but it's sort of done... It's not the one... There's an actual game coming that's done with actual stop-motion sort of plasticine claymation. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember seeing the trailer really that. fucking cool. Yeah, that one looks cool. Yeah, like Trout or something. Yeah. Cool. This one looks a bit like that, but I think this is done digitally to look like that. Right. Um, so it's definitely not as cool, but it is, it's still got a nice charm to it. Um, it's got a cool aesthetic, and I'm not that far into it yet, so I can't really judge the puzzles. Um, but it's just so rare you get that type of game these days. Love me a point and click. Um, the other day at work, um, at my restaurant job, I was training a new staff member. And for just out of the blue in the midway through the shift she was like are you a gamer and i was like yeah i love games and she's like yeah me too and i was like what games do you like and she said that she likes point and click games and then so we had this big in-depth conversation about all these like classic point and click games uh that we love and that a lot like a lot of them have been remastered now which is really cool um and you can get on the app store play on like your phone or your ipad yeah, like yeah. Day of the yeah, which is to be honest, a good place. Tentacle, like a lot of those Lucas Art ones. Day of the Tentacle, I think they remade, remastered Maniac Mansion. Um, yep, they're so good. Sam and Max, I think. Sam and Max, yep. Full Throttle. I think so. Broken Sword. Yeah. We should tell her to try out Trooper Brook. Will I will? Which I don't know if it is on iPads or not. It's on Xbox and PlayStation stuff. It's cool. Um, the one. We'll definitely be talking about it a lot more in our end-of-year podcast, so we don't need to go on about it too much right now. But me and Alex... Like, I think a lot of critics just suddenly came across it as well, even though it was released in May. But a game called Far Lone Sales, oh. um, which is, at the moment, my game of the year. Yeah, me too. It's incredible. I've yeah. never actually heard of that. 
I don't think anybody. I don't know if people who made it had heard of it. <laughs> it just like snuck so under the radar. It's insane. Highly. And recommend. then suddenly all these reviews were coming out, giving it nine out of ten. And I was like, what the fuck is this game? Um, and it's kind of like I guess the closest I could say to it is it's kind of like if you mixed like Limbo and Inside with a bit of Journey. Yeah. It's very much you know. It's taking that we're gonna do simple old school Mario mechanics. You're like you're just going right and you're gonna like jump around as a little 2D kind of person. Mm-hmm. But, well, on a 2D platform, you know, it's a 3D world. But, um, but yeah, but then the vibe and the atmosphere and yep. of those kind of games, like, that, that just incredibly involving and, 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 yeah, I don't want to spoil anything about where it goes. And it's very simple. Like, it's incredibly simple. But it also actually gives you more to do, I feel, than those games. There's quite a great game element with it where you're trying to keep this contraption running. And yep. it's really cool. Yeah, it's really the, wonderful. I'm just Googling at the... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, no, no, go just googling it the images are gorgeous and it does literally look a lot like inside yeah and it's like like inside it has those really it has a beautiful score a beautiful beautiful score and just the way it's directed similarly to inside where you know you'll have moments mid-game and this sort of score will sweep up and you'll kind of get a wider perspective of what's going on and all the background kind of comes to life and there's things happening it just sets a really really beautiful mood and i think it's one of those games that I would recommend for people, if you can, like set aside three three hours and just play it from beginning to end. Um, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's not it's not that long, um, and it's definitely not for everyone. But for the people it appeals to, I think it's it's a very special game. Um, okay, so the the things that just came out though, uh, the first one just kind of skipped by a little bit. It's fifteenth of August, but we should mention it as a game called Remnant from the Ashes came out. This is like oh there's a big smile from her but this is kind of like dark souls but with guns <laughs> i guess yes. um i've been playing a bit of it i'm a big dark souls fan um and i like i like what i've played this actually i thought i'd be turned off by it but it is pretty decent it's definitely not like a triple a tier it's not done to the quite the level of of the from software games um but it's it's cool what do you have to say so i haven't really played it i've watched a lot of playthroughs of it because i my, the way I experience video games a lot of the time is watching playthroughs or watching my boyfriend play them. I love playing video games, but sometimes I just like don't have the energy or like the capacity. But For I've sure. watched um, this site called Giant Bomb play it, and it looks amazing. Um, I I love the Dark Souls games, and I like the idea of it being a co-op Dark Souls game without just having to call people in for the bosses, as you know you can do. So I just think it looks awesome. I think it's a really interesting concept, and I really like the art of it as well and the enemies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm again. I'm not deep enough into it. I like it. I do like it. I, it's better than I thought it was going to be, basically. But I, I don't think it's quite the artistry. I feel like everyone feels that way, where it's like we didn't think it'd be good, and then they play it. Like, oh my god, wait, this is really fun. I think someone described it as having the most like generic name ever and the most immemorable name ever so it's like yeah it's a terrible name remnant from the ashes okay and it like doesn't <laughs> really capture the game's essence at all so no and any colon game like this is just like don't just why just call yeah. it remnant like why would you need to fucking uh, it really annoys me um but yeah it's definitely worth checking out if you're into those those games uh then the 25th of august we had wreck fest which i was 
kind of excited about because obviously I'm not a driving guy because I don't play them very much but I do buy like the big ones um, and do appreciate them um, and this was really like a callback to Destruction Derby from PlayStation and PlayStation 2 um, and it's been a long time since we've had those types of games and it's it's really it's it's a true quality game like it looks beautiful the the like gameplay of it feels great the controls are great and yeah it's more about wrecking other people's cars um, than it is you know being first in a race so it's a very different sort of old school vibe but does it also have kind of a forza kind of story-ish mode to it or is it just a purely um, like i mean there's a career oh right okay there's not yeah but there's not like well not that i've encountered right. the, in the modes i've been playing there isn't like a you know like acting and yeah yeah <laughs> so like cgi cutscenes and stuff like that yeah no um but yeah but there are people talking to you and narrating through stuff you know and things but um but yeah if you're looking for a fun racing game it genuinely is a very quality game and it's been getting very high reviews from people who know what they're talking about with racing games which i do not uh but then just <laughs> two days later control came out oh my the new God. game from the guys who did alan wake uh max Payne, and most recently quantum break um which was kind of the failed experiment and there's weird bits of Quantum Break in Control, I feel, which is... And yeah. there's bits of Alan Wake in here as well. This yeah. actually takes place in the same universe as Alan Wake, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, who's I, I've played about, I don't know, maybe it's like six hours of this, um, Alex? Yeah, I, I played about an hour of it. Kind of made me just want to play a new Alan Wake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so you... Okay, so like, I had told you, because a bunch of games came out, and I like downloaded the prog company account and i said look you need, you should try this at least mm -hmm. um but you fell off it pretty quick what was what was the reason um i don't know to be honest it just something just didn't catch me right away i think it's i mean it looks really pretty the physics of you know the when you do the like force projecting whatever it is and everything like you can move the room around that all looks really cool and is very impressive on a technical level um but yeah, I just didn't. I didn't sort of get into the story right away. And for me, narrative is always key with ga like the games that I like. Um, so maybe I'll go back. I probably will. But right at this point, I was it, there wasn't enough for me to just kind of um, rely just purely on how it looks. If that makes sense. Do you play this at all, Mary Beth? Yeah, I am obsessed with it because it is very much Ooh. my. Um, How was that obsessed or upset? Obsessed. Oh, okay. It's very much my shit. That's better it's very than much upset. My shit. It's like playing the X Files, which is my favorite television series of all time. So, I mean, the problem has been playing it on PS4. Um, I only have a PS4, and there's some um, lag and frame rate issues mm -hmm. with that that they're trying to remedy in the next few months. So I've been, because of that, I've been watching, again, people play through it because there's just, like, it's it's a huge pain in the ass to play on a regular PS4. I don't have a PS4 Pro. Um, but I really just love the narrative and the storytelling. It grabbed me. I did not grab Alex, obviously, but it's very much <laughs> the kind of thing I look for. Like, weird, kind of, like, high strangeness stuff. So, definitely very into it. Are you guys, So you're going to see it through? Yes. Okay. But I might, uh, have yeah, to, I might have to wait until they have a patch to make the frame rate issues better. Because yeah, I've heard there, but I haven't had really any problems on, on Xbox, which is, yeah. I guess, it's getting more common now because the Xbox One X is just, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it just runs PS, everything fine. I think it's just PS4, and that's what I have, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm between the two of you, to be honest. It's like, I've always kind of had a problem with Remedy's games in that I think the writing's always got a great idea, and then I don't always feel Sam Lake actually writes very well. Um, which I found like Max Payne was too over the top. Like Alan Wake, I love, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. But there is some, there's plenty of bad Stephen King writing going on in there. <laughs> but then there's kind of the point as well, so it's kind of weird. And then Quantum Break, I kind of had the same problem as well. I actually think this is the best written in terms of just like writing. Yeah. I think it actually is is well written. But I'm not as into. Uh, I love. The, I like. I think the design is phenomenal. I think it's so beautifully done. Um, and yeah, and it is cool. Like the, the the gameplay as you get more powers feels great. I don't personally like the sort of the way that it's integrated, which is the only way you can do it. Is and you look somewhere and it's high, you know, like there's you know a highlight line around something, so you know, oh, now I'm gonna like throw that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And that's the same thing that removed me from like Bioshock Infinite. It's just kind of like it becomes too gamey then. So you don't um, like things that take you kind of out of the gaming experience? No. Okay. I like to just be immersed and like, I prefer no HUD and all of that stuff. Okay. Um, Interesting. And my problem with it is just that, uh, yeah, I like it, um, but I don't really want to just be in an office building. And I know they do some weird, cool stuff, you know, to like subvert that, but I feel like the trailers showed most of that. And maybe later on in the game there's going to be some cool stuff I haven't seen yet. Um, but I'm already a little bit not tired of it but just like okay i don't i'm not sure what else you have necessarily to offer mm. you know um so i'm enjoying it but i'm not you know over the moon with it and i'll probably keep playing um just because i normally do finish their games but but yeah <laughs> um but hey two days later can you tell i'm tired <laughs> um, two days later 29th of august Man of Medan came out. The first of what? the dark... What's it called? Dark what anthology? Dark pictures anthology or something, something like Sorry, that. Sorry, my cat just started meowing. <laughs> That's what your cat thinks of that <laughs> hey game. Cat. <laughs> it is meow meow. <laughs> Put that on the box. Um, Alright, so Man of Medan. This is a new film. Sorry, a new film. And that was a Freudian sleep, oh, yeah. slip, really. Uh, it's a new game from the makers of, of Until Dawn. Uh, now I really like I really enjoyed Until Dawn for all its flaws like it's really hokey there's a lot of trash going on in it but it just had like a great pace like lots of fun stupid characters and yeah and I just have I just have a really good time with Until Dawn so I was really excited about Man of Dam for people who don't know they're going to be doing at least four but up to eight of these with completely different stories um this one's actually written by Larry Fessenden isn't it I believe I oh, is it really? I didn't know that. He I did think that. so. Yeah, things remember Larry Fessenden. Um, and this one's yeah, all about these sort of early twenty-ish kids, I guess, who most of them are like rich kids, and they go on this boat um, to uncover this thing from a submarine, and things get spooky. Basically, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I am only about I don't know, a third of the way, maybe half of the way through. So I have not got to the end, and from what I've heard. It amps up a lot. So, uh, oh, the half. what and what mode did you play? Because there's there's three modes. There's obviously single player, there's online co-op, and then there's uh, offline like party mode or I forgot what it was called. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it's called like yeah night. It's like oh, a movie, movie night, night or something, night, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I was playing that because I was playing with my girlfriend and we were just, yeah, because we would play until Dawn passing the pad and, and this basically allows you to do that where you select X amount of characters and then you play as a character. And sometimes there's long periods of time where you, the other person isn't getting to play, but sometimes it can be quick depending on what you do. I really want to do the online thing, which you and me, Alex, are going to do at some mm -hmm. point, I believe, um, to see because then you can play at the same time and fuck each other over with your decisions. Oh. Um, but... I'm just going to go first really quickly. I really don't like this game. Um, I've been so disappointed in this game. I think it's I think it's incredibly uh, slow and not in a good way, because I like slow things. Um, I think it's really badly written. I think the acting in it is... There are some okay bits, but a lot of it's fucking terrible. And I think the idea, the basic concept is actually good. Like, it could be really spooky, this idea. Like, I'm scared of underwater stuff and then bringing something out of there. But but it's just like, it's. I feel there's two problems I have. Number one is I feel like they're taking themselves too seriously now. Mm. And Until Dawn was all about just having fun. This is, doesn't seem to be about having fun. Uh, can I copy and paste what you just said? <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was really disappointed with this. Um, I played it with my wife Bethany. We did the movie night thing, and yeah, it's just you're right. Until dawn, it it was fun and it didn't take itself too seriously. And I think importantly, as sort of cinematic as it was trying to be, I think Until Dawn remembered that it was a game and paced itself accordingly so when you were on the control you know there were there were things yep. that you were doing with the action that that was building in the pace of the narrative and and kind of having a sense of urgency and momentum going forward and then the bits where it was a bit slower there was always still an underlying tension which made it enjoyable whereas this it feels yeah i think you're right Al. it's like it's taking itself too seriously and for me the impression i got was like oh it's trying to set itself up like a movie but then if you're playing if you're doing that as a game it's fucking boring because half the time you're just walking around and like for that first Oh, I, I want to say like hour like you're literally just like picking up things and looking at them and there's no yeah. there's no kind of uh, sort of t build of tension or, or or you know you kind of want it to rush you, you kind of you want to get you want it to get to the spooky stuff and it and it really drags in that sense um, and and when you are playing it with someone else yeah there are a lot of times when you yeah, you can be watching for a long time and nothing really exciting is happening. Um, so I found I found that was my main sort of disappointment with it. Um, and for me, I think the, the writing and acting are, are nowhere near as good as Until Dawn. You know, I think Until Dawn... I don't know, there was the... There was a better chemistry between all the characters, uh, yeah, and there was a, that sense of fun, and it felt like a you were you were you were in the midst of a, of a horror slasher film, which then wasn't a slasher film. Like there were so many surprises in Until Dawn, um, um, whereas this, yes, I haven't maybe got to the bits where it ramps up, but so far I'm just like, well, this is taking its time, <laughs> not fun. Yeah, I, I definitely have heard it's much better in its second half but it's which i will get to just because i want to persevere but have you have you played this mary beth or you've been watching yeah i've been both i've okay 
basically I loved Until Dawn. It was like a campy, like you said, a campy slasher horror movie. It was like so exciting, so wild. It felt so different. And this I was so excited for. And it just, like you guys said, it was a letdown. It feels like it takes the teen. It's like the teen slasher movie thing was so much fun. And then they kind of lost that completely in trying to do this. Mm-hmm. And I was excited for it because I love aquatic boat horror especially this year and then it just kind of fell very flat for me and I have again I haven't gotten to the end but it's not it's everything that you guys said just not not what I was looking for kind of boring so so my biggest problem is it's very clear to me that these this team just wants to be making movies yeah like exactly. they just want to make a movie yeah and the problem is is like I don't think it would be a good movie that's the problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it's kind of like, I feel like you're in a wrong medium, whereas Until Dawn had just enough balance, like you were saying, Alex, like it's still worried about you playing it as a game, where here yeah. it's like, no, they clearly just want to be making movies, so fucking go do that. And I think, unfortunately, you'd be teared apart, because it's not, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, torn apart. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm very intrigued to see how well it sells, and if they're going to get to do eight of these, or if it'll <laughs> just end up being four, or even just two, and then kind of peter out, and they'll have to rethink things. I don't know. Uh, but definitely a big disappointment because I've been desperately waiting. However, the next day, <laughs> after 29th, the 30th of August, spoilers, that's the next day after the 29th. <laughs> Thank you. Blair Witch came out, uh, the video game, which is actually from, uh, hang on, what was it? Is, it, is it Lionsgate? Who is it? Who yeah, Lionsgate. This? Yep. They're yeah. big uh, title. A new kind out. of division of Lionsgate making games. Yeah. Um, I just finished this. We are definitely going to be talking about this, Yumi, Alex, um, and Heaven on the Blowwitch podcast when we get to a wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all played. I mean, you guys, you've played some of most of it, haven't you? Or some? I don't know, uh, I've played. Beginning. I've played maybe an hour, two hours. Okay. Yeah. Heaven's Heaven's like way in. She was further than me for a long time, and then I suddenly like yeah went and just finished it over one night basically. Yeah, I started um, it with uh, Beth- Bethany watching me. Um, and we haven't had a chance to right. sit down. Oh, you v- you made a fucking gif out of it, didn't you? Yeah, because I tried to to film the whole thing, but it uh, footage wasn't good enough. But there's a good clip of uh, us <laughs> us jumping it from um, from a, a jump scare moment, which I made into a gif. <laughs> um, have you played this, Mary? You like? Yeah, I've played uh, the first hour. I played up until the point where you have like a flashback the character has like a flashback and things have their yeah. sand in it i'm trying yes. not to give spoilers here but i kind of fell off at that point oh interesting okay <laughs> i just was like what are what is happening so i need to go back to it does it get better after that <laughs> um so again with no spoilers for it it's actually it's not that long a game um unless you're really scared and going very slow <laughs> like if you really kind of like you know power through it you could definitely do it very quickly um and we'll go into full spoilers in the Blair Witch podcast but it it gets I'd heard it's like because I really like the beginning of it I think the setup's really cool it looked much prettier than I thought it was going to I thought yeah. the woods were realized really well um the dog thing has pluses and minuses like it definitely makes it less scary for me having the dog there yeah for um, sure you know who drops in and out at certain points in the game but is there for the majority of the game the voice acting is fine but it's not great um i think the time period they chose to set the game in is fascinating so like it's set that was the first big surprise for me was booting up and realizing oh this is set two years after the events of the original movie but before the movie came out yeah 
because um, it's set in like 97 isn't it yeah mm-hmm. um, so I thought well that's interesting um, and there's a lot I really like about it they have to bring some gameplay things into it to do with you know combat I guess but without it being combat and that's very Alan Wakey the way they do it and yep. it's fine but I don't know I guess it's necessary but I don't know if I really needed it um, I will say it definitely yeah like it's definitely if it's definitely worth getting to the end of it like some things happen for sure there's some very PT inspired stuff with it um, fuck I'm out there's there's a lot of flashbacks um i never found it scary to be honest um and i finished all of it on my own the other night like very late at night um and it didn't to be honest i was getting a bit bored by the end i was like i just want to get through it but then it did some stuff that i did like towards the end and then some stuff that i didn't like i don't want to get like give the spoilers so it's you know but um it's interesting yeah, I'm really fascinated with like found footage horror aspects in games, like with Resident Evil Seven, the way you find mm. videotapes and play them. So I was excited for this, and I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about the way you use cameras. But I think it is a really fascinating way to like take found footage horror and put it into video games. I think it's a fascinating mechanic. I'm not saying it's always successful, successful, but I think it's really interesting and ambitious. <laughs> Yeah, I think the camera stuff is actually really cool, and I like that you can take it out at any point, put it in night vision when you want to. Like, there's quite a lot of freedom, even though it's actually a very on-rails kind of game, really. Yeah. Um, I love that they have time period right Nokia phones, and you can actually change yeah. your wallpaper. Oh my god, and I know, like, and the games on it. Ugh. Yeah. It's really cool. And just whenever you want to, go in and check your texts and try and ring people and all that stuff. That's like. so funny, yeah. Uh, it's a lot 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 better than i thought it was going to be and when yeah. i started playing it i was like wow this is amazing and by the time i got to the end i was like yeah <laughs> but but it does the most interesting things at the end so it's kind of difficult it definitely goes into some blair witch like adam wingard blair witch stuff oh, at one point okay. as well interesting um yeah yeah i was really enjoy. i mean from what i played so far i really enjoyed the the beginning when he's sort of on the phone to his his partner or his wife and they're just having a very kind of innocent sort of conversation um just made me sort of think back to firewatch so then it made me feel safe mm. and then i got scared <laughs> but but i definitely enjoyed the <laughs> yes. i definitely enjoyed the experience i think I think if you're a fan of the film and you play this game, I think it's very satisfying and fulfilling um, in how it recreates that sense of, um, you know, feeling lost very quickly and sort of feeling turned around and questioning whether you're backtracking or if you've been to this place before. Like, even though you were saying now that it is very much sort of like an on-rails thing, sort of playing it, and having Bethany watch me, you know, every now and again, she'd be like, we've gone that way. And I'd be like, no, I think we're going this way. And and that creating that atmosphere, I th- felt, was a really cool experience to kind of get a flavor of, of what I like about the film. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there are those later aspects that do feel a bit sort of Alan Wake-ish, which was very surprising for me that it, that it chose that option. Um, but yeah, it's still a cool little game. I really like it. I really like it. It's got a bunch of interesting endings as well, which kind of feed into stuff. But yeah, we'll talk about it on the wrap-up of The Blair Witch. Five or six days later, 
game came out on Switch called River City Girls. Um, this is a weird pseudo sort of sequel to the classic River City Ransom, which is this great like side-scrolling beat-em-up game. Um, this is great. I nothing really else to say about it other than the art style is great. It's got that Scott Pilgrim sort of 16-bit, you know, side-scrolling stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it. Um, and then the day after that, Gears 5. Microsoft have so few flagship <laughs> like exclusives <laughs> anymore. It's basically Forza, Gears, and Halo, and I guess Sea of Thieves, and State of Decay, and not, you know, not triple, or even quadruple games. Gears 5 is a big one. I would, I've played all the Gears games. I didn't get through Gears 4, because that was when, like, new um, developers took over, and I wasn't a big fan of them introducing robots, and some of the stuff they did in it, I was like, well, I've done this before. Um, I've only just started playing this, to be honest. Um, and I like what I played. If, you know, it still feels, the gunplay feels great. Uh, but it feels like Gears. <laughs> very Gearsy. It's very Gearsy. Uh, I've only played the boot camp because I only downloaded it today <laughs> and then it hadn't finished installing and that's all it let me play. But it's pretty. Well, that boot camp goes on a while. It's pretty. It's amazing like how the you can go back through all those games and they haven't really deviated from the gameplay itself and like the feel of the game. It always it's very easy to, you know, start a new one in the franchise and kind of ease right into it. That's why I thought it was funny that they have a boot camp and tutorial because it's just like, yeah, it's gears. Yeah, I feel like if you s- feels the same. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah, but they just obviously with each game they just look better and better. Yeah, and they're they're trying to get new people on board for this one for sure. This is them trying to reach out to a new generation with how they're marketing it and stuff and. Um, and it's you know very much female led this time, and you know trying to like change the tracks of what you think of when you think of gears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, That's, I don't know. It's, I've dropped off of gears like, after gears two, and I have heard nothing about gears five because I haven't. I didn't even know it was female led, so maybe I should give it a try. I just have like not felt compelled to play any of the other games since I finished the second one. Well, I think you're fine. Other than the <laughs> fact that you're a woman, I don't know if that means you have to play the games that have I'm a woman. <laughs> play River City Feminism Girls tells instead. Me I have to play it. Tenth <laughs> um, of September, Blasphemous. Um, this is a game that I can't stop playing, and I wish I could because, again, it makes me hate myself. Um, this game is from the guys who freaking made Worms. Uh, yeah, who made Worms from oh. Team Seventeen. Uh, is that it? Team 7 or Team 17? Was it Team 17? Um, and it looks basically like Castlevania, but it plays just like Dark Souls. <laughs> um, and it's it's got a, it's all religious imagery. Like the, the cutscenes, if you guys are looking at anything Google, check out the cutscenes. Because like just even the intro cut is really fucking cool. It's done like how you might use to do on like MS-DOS Paint or something. like. It's yeah, cool. V- it's really fucking cool and you like bleed people out and then you take off your huge spire of a helmet and you fill it up with blood and then you put it over your face and all the blood just like runs down <laughs> oh my you God. like there's so much religious shit going on it's it's crazy oh my um, God. I need it, it plays beautifully wow it looks cool but it it is really punishing like dark souls like you really have to like do it with that same ethos of how you strategize and how you like learn the word paths and what opens back into where you were before for shortcuts and you have basically bonfires and you have esters and all of that stuff so um but yeah it's actually yeah scratching my itch for a dark souls game more than anything else i have i 
I'm looking at an image where in the background there's like a demon holding up a baby with a crown of thorns <laughs> that's blindfolded and has blood coming out of its eyes. <laughs> I literally yeah, clicked right. on the same exact image. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I was like, oh, what's that? Why is there a baby? <laughs> that is wild. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend that. It's one of those ones where it's like, yep, yeah, I respect this. I'm never going to play it because it's too hard. And then for some reason, every night, I'm like, oh, I'll play a little bit of Blasphemous. How do you play it? How um, do you play it? I play on Xbox. On Xbox, but, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but they have it on um, Switch. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it would be a good Switch game. I saw some people playing it on that. There's a little bit of frame rate in some places, I think, but it's a it's a good game for that. Cool. Um, 13th of September. Merely a few days ago, we get to our last game uh, that we're going to do, but then Mary Beth is going to come in with something that we've skipped over in this list. Uh, Borderlands 3, for many people, the biggest game of the year. Um, I've only done the beginning of this. So I have played Borderlands 1 and 2, um, and even some of Tales of the Borderlands. Uh, the, uh, the, what do you call it? Those people Tom who Taylor went game. away. And thank you. Thank you. Who went away and now are back, but it's not really them. Um, yeah, this has had like fucking stellar reviews, and all I can say from what I played at the beginning of it is like, this is how you remember Borderlands playing, but when you go back and play Borderlands and Borderlands 2, they're still great, but they feel a little old. This is how, in your head, they you know you think they feel like right. it's so fucking slick the gunplay is incredible there's still like endless endless guns literally you know billions of guns um i'm really looking for, i'm gonna be playing this online with katie in co-op and i really really am looking forward to that they've added in more sort of friendly sharing for loot and stuff like that and you go to different planets now you're not just on pandora and uh it's yeah it's great i like it the the humor of it isn't always my style to be honest um but the visuals of it is and the gameplay is so I am excited. No one else cares. <laughs> I'm just not a Borderlands person. I tried, but it just wasn't for me. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, the first two came out when I was not really gaming. And so I played them much later and never really got far into them. So, I mean, I'll, I'll try this because it looks really cool. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in... I'm certainly not as excited as other people about the release of this game. According to the posters, it's the most fun you can have with your hands. Yeah. That's literally what they say. Agree. Clearly, know. they've never eaten a burrito. Yeah. Um, Mary Beth, there is, might have been a game, potentially, that we uh, accidentally skipped over or purposefully. Um, would you like to course correct us? I would love to course correct you. And this is about the game that came out on July 26 called Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a phenomenal Never game heard of it. that neither I nor my boyfriend nor our roommate can stop playing. Um, I have never played a Fire Emblem game. I am not very, I'm not good at like strategy games or JRPGs, but this game is everything. It's basically Hogwarts, Harry Potter with uh, training children to go to war. And you basically choose a house. Blue Lions forever. It's terribly. Terribly irresponsible. Um, yeah. Oh, it's terribly irresponsible. Um, Blue Lions forever. And um, you play as a professor and you're teaching these kids how to be warriors, which is like really awful. But there's a lot of really interesting 
looks at like anti-imperialism, um, separation of church and state, and you get to watch these kids develop and like have better relationships with each other, and you get to teach them how to just be like better people and better fighters, obviously. Um, but it's just so engaging. I've never been this, like this emotionally invested in video game characters before. Like we wow. in our apartment. Um, each of us play a different house, so there's three houses, so there's three of us that live here, so we each play a different house and compare notes about the characters. Um, That's cool. Because we're a bunch of dorks. Um, and so we talk about our battle children, is what we call them, and we <laughs> compare notes in our battle children and how they're growing and how we've leveled them up, and it's just been like this very wholesome experience, both playing the game and also in our apartment. Um, so that probably has something to do with why I enjoy it so much, but it's been a very lovely experience watching my roommates play, having them give me tips, having me give them tips, and it's just a very, very fun, very good game, and even if you aren't into JRPGs, um, it's a great way to start. It's very kind of intuitive and helpful in giving you directions on how to move your characters around, how to level them up. I have literally no idea how to do any of that stuff, and I'm picking up on it pretty easily, so it's on the Switch. and. It's, a, it's just a very, very fun game. Yeah, I've contemplated so, uh, yeah, I, getting I, this. <laughs> like, every now and again, I see it. you really? Yeah, like, every now and again, I see it. I'm like, ooh, kind of intrigued. Should I or shouldn't I? And then I always put it off. But, Mary Beth, you may have just people, sold I mean, it People to love me. Fire Emblem. It's just... I it, don't know if you would, Alex, but people love Fire Emblem. And I it's just, like turn-based fighting, right? It's turn-based fighting. So, yeah, it's it's like... I mean, my first experience with anything like this I'm is out. Pokemon. So, like, obviously very different. But, like, it is a turn-based. You have your, your turn, you move everyone across the board, attack, and yeah. then the enemy attacks back. Yeah, you lost me. But then, like, there's cool parts. You have the battles, but then you have stuff back at the school where you have, like, you can teach the kids. You can, like, teach, you teach lesson plans, and you help them level up in their skills, and then you can, like, run errands and do quests for them and, like recruit other people from different houses and go fishing and you can take people to tea time and like develop your bonds with them through tea time and it's just like very sweet and fun and whenever you get a perfect tea time all of us in my apartment chant perfect tea time and then we clap (laughs) (laughs) yep you got me at tea time like i'm in yep yep and you get like different kinds of tea for people and you have like tea conversations and Okay, okay. Um, yeah, no. But when you get to fishing and you get to tea time, then I'm slightly more interested. But everything you said before that sounded like a real big chore of doing lots of things for children <laughs> that I spend most of my life avoiding doing. So I don't know why I'd want to play the game. But they're all anime children, so they have really cool hair. <laughs> mm. Do they have? Is and it in magic. English or can you do a Japanese dub? Do they have obnoxious American to like dubbed versions of them, or is it all like text? No, it's dubbed. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, like the the right, like the dialogue is kind of terrible, and like everyone has their own little like saying when they kill someone. Of course, they do. They're children. They always have sayings when they kill someone. Yeah, yes. the professor does too. <laughs> oh, good, good. Teaching them equal the right, opportunity right killing etiquette. phrases here. <laughs> um, well, I'm unconvinced, but Alex looks tantalized. So, congratulations, you've half converted. You've re-sparked my interest. I'll think about this for a day, and then I won't get it. Well, at least I can make you think about it. That makes yeah. me feel good. Yeah. If we're here to do nothing but make people think. <laughs> As in the thought, why haven't I turned off this podcast yet? <laughs> uh, 
Um, we're going to move into cinema, but I'm I really, guys, I'd normally edit this out, but I really need the toilet, so I'm just going to run to the toilet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get some if water. If one of you two want to say a... F- uh, oh, okay. <laughs> right, well, we'll edit. <laughs> movies, movies, okay. Um, do we want to... Uh, I was going to briefly talk about it, chapter two, but I feel there's no way to talk about it without that going on forever. And we've got so many other things to talk about. Um, I didn't like it. That's all I want to say. I still haven't seen it. Um, I liked the first one. Like it was. I liked the first one. It was fun. It was fine. Better than I was expecting. I, yes, I think the first one is a completely fine and uh, decent movie with some great moments and some bad moments. I think it chapter two is fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> Alex has seen it though. Yeah. <laughs> it was a movie. It was a sequel. Cool. They uh, <laughs> they did things. Oh god! They did, did do they, things. Did they ever do things? It's a glowing yeah. review. It's the weird one of the weirdest things about your chapter two is that there's a video game just shoved in. That's great. Right. <laughs> you told me about that. Al. <laughs> They're all just suddenly like, oh, now you all need to go and find one artifact yeah. each, and then return to this place. It's like what? Who mm. made up this rule out of nowhere after we've all established we need to be together at all times and then invent new back history that was not there in the first one? Like, it's it's so weird because... Okay, so, like, literally before we went in, I said to my girlfriend, I'm worried about this because I like the adults being intercut with the young ones, that that's why it works for me in the book, the back and forth between the traumas and the relationship between adulthood and childhood. I know we can't have that because it wasn't there in the first one, in this one they're doing the adult stuff and I know they're going to do flashbacks but they gave us the flashbacks we needed to see in this one in the first film so yeah. I was like my worry is they're going to do flashbacks that mean nothing and that's exactly what they do <laughs> like it's it's so pointless um, and then I think a lot of the casting seems great on paper but actually I don't think it's very good no one really has much to do other than Bill Hader yeah yeah that was um, and he just turns it into a comedy Bethany and I felt the same like yeah, Jessica Chastain had nothing to do. Her character was awful. Nothing to do. It was just awful. Um, yeah, yeah. The, it's it was. And, oh God, was it long? The the opening was. <laughs> oh my so God! Long. God, was it long? It's so long. It's so long. And I love long movies, but it, this is just like, oh, please stop! <laughs> just get going. And the opening, yeah, the opening is. The opening, I mean, the opening is the only scary bit in the movie, but I'm also like, do we need that? Like, I know it's in the book, but it has a bit more context in the book. Mm. And this is just comes out of nowhere, and it's a very strange piece of sort of, yeah, literal gay bashing commentary. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, there's that bit. That bit I didn't mind, but then the bit when it's like reintroducing the characters as as the adults. Mm. Um, Bethany and I were just like, yeah, we could, you could have, like, you could have just cut it all. You know, it could have just been, or like, it just could have been or so much quicker and had them at the restaurant, like, meeting again. Or do it right. Like, because that moment should be scary. Like, when, even in, like, and I'm not going to pretend that TV movies, like, this great movie, because it's not, but it feels unsettling. Like, the idea of them, like, someone from Derry having to ring them up. Yeah. And just be like, it's back. And it should be like, we're involved in their, their scene. And then suddenly the phone goes and we're not thinking about it because we're that involved. And then you hear the voice and you you should feel like the pit of your stomach go, mm. you know? And instead, each one's pretty much played for comedy. Like, yeah. they play... This whole film is really a comedy. 
Uh, except, so for, fucking weird. except for Jessica Chastain, because she gets punched in the yeah. face. Oh, yeah. And they lean very heavily into her yeah, yeah, traumatic exactly. backstory. Like, she's the only one really with past trauma. Like, it's... I don't know. Have you seen the really awesome like gifts of Bill Hader being bored during Penny, the, the It 2 interviews? Because they're hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave us that. I mean, I know people love him in it because he's the only thing to love because he's the only thing with real character in the film. Yeah. But I think it's misplaced character. Like, it shouldn't be that funny. Um, and we won't talk about the ending. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, that's a movie. Uh, the Spidey situation, we should briefly touch on this um, because people know we're big Spidey fans. Um, Alex, it's all over. It is done and dusted. It's dead. I remember when there was all this talk. Out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. They're going to renegotiate. It'll be fine. It's a match made in heaven. <laughs> no, it's not. It is absolutely <laughs> not. And this, to be fair, we could do a whole podcast on this, and we nearly did when it happened, because when I say out of nowhere, it wasn't, you know, like, it was obviously part of a semi-public contract, but mm-hmm. there were bits hidden in it, so no one really knew exactly what was going on there. We knew how many films he had to play the character for, but we didn't know how many were tied with Marvel being involved as well. So just to be clear, Tom Holland is now out of the MCU, uh, but he's still tied to play Spidey, I think, for one or two more films. Yeah, it's, it's I sorry, I think it's Definitely two. one, but I think two. Um, and then he was pretty public about being upset about it unfollowed fucking Sony on his Instagram (laughs) like Jeremy Renner came out to try and help out Robert Downey Jr. did a bit and then suddenly he had to do a U-turn because clearly his agents were like no this is really happening you need to play nice with Sony so then he came out with a public sort of like like Spidey's always been in good hands with Sony and blah 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 Um, and the deal before was a little bit hard to tell I believe like Disney were getting merchandise and then like a very small percentage they were like getting the money from Spidey being in Marvel like in the Avengers movies but Sony were meant to be getting nearly I think nearly all of it from the Spider-Man solo films when they came to renegotiate Disney said we want 50% of those as well which in all honesty I think would sound fair if Sony are then getting 50% of the Avengers ones which isn't going to happen obviously or at least 50% of the merchandise um, and what it really just came down to was two kinds. I know everyone took Sony's side in this because they seem like the smaller company, which they are, compared to Disney. But let's not make any mistake. They're both two huge conglomerates. Mm-hmm. And Sony have proven many times they make terrible decisions uh, with franchises, particularly for Spidey. Um, and, yeah, they both just were too greedy to make this work, basically. But at the same time, then I heard stuff like from the actor saying Kevin... Like, the Russo brothers came out and said Kevin Feige had been coming to them for a while saying if you can set this up in a way that we don't need Spidey anymore that would be great because what I've read now is that it was actually way more of a nightmare than people think to get these movies made in the conditions that they had to be made with these two companies working together so Kevin Feige and Marvel kind of were looking for a way of can we move ahead without Spidey because this is actually a nightmare for us Um, so I do think that they might have raised that just to kind of like make it fall apart which is kind of weird because and far from home spoilers coming up the the whole setup of that is like he's the new stark <laughs> yep yeah and he's like taking over his tech and you know he's going to be an avenger and all that so that was like a pretty bold yeah. move so where do you go now <laughs> it was like no <laughs> but to like if 
at that stage there was no I mean Marvel must have been pretty confident at that stage that the deal would be negotiated because then how is that yeah I wonder it would be interesting to see how they get him out of the MCU I mean bear in mind that would have been filmed you know a year at least prior like who Mm -hmm. knows where they thought it was at that point Um, all we know for sure now is we're definitely going to get Tom v Tom with Spider-Man versus Venom (laughs) that's for sure going to (laughs) happen Anyway, we can. I'm heartbroken. I mean, I'm, I really don't know how to talk about it because it's so like heartbreaking. A billion dollars. Oh yeah, no, it will make so much fucking money because people don't care. <laughs> I mean, about good movies. People loved um, Venom. People did love Venom, including Ali's boyfriend Sean calling you out. Um, <laughs> my, uh, yeah, I know I'm genuinely heartbroken about this, but I don't know what to do. And there are lots of people who are then like, you know, oh, this is a good thing because Disney owned too much of, you know, of the industry and all that. And yeah, they do. But this is a separate issue. This is, a, for me, this is about, A, I enjoy this character. Don't be upset with me for wanting to see this character where he belongs, which is with his other IP creative brethren. You know, I do believe in the creatives retaining control of their IPs and... I feel that Spidey should be with Marvel for whether that you know Marvel are owned by Disney or not is a separate you know conversation um, but it's heartbreaking to see that well splinter. you know what once um, once Disney bring in their version of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four you'll be fine I know <laughs> well they will that's how they're going to placate it they're <laughs> going to put Wolfie probably in his in his place yeah um, alright so we woke up out of fucking nowhere, Jurassic World Battle of Big Rock hit. <laughs> a short film from Colin Trevorrow that's clearly, and I think a, an incredibly smart move from Universal to course correct people's expectations, because this is where we're heading with the third part of the Jurassic World trilogy, and people didn't really love Fallen Kingdom, even though it did fairly well. Um, so this is definitely seems to like, no, have faith in this next one. And it's unprecedented, really. It's so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. You know what my favorite bit about the whole thing was? No. The, like, found footagey parts at the end. Well, not the found footage yes. parts. like the recordings from different people uh, out in the real world. And their dinosaur interactions. Yeah. Yes. I loved that. I w- yeah. So I didn't actually see Fallen Kingdom because Jurassic World was just like fine. So I had to get a little bit of background before I watched it. But I was really surprised at how well done it was and how much action was packed into it in only eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was yes. especially like the shot at the end. Um, it's like a wide shot of I think it's the dad and the mom pointing like... I don't know what it is they're pointing at the, at the allosaur, but it's just like a beautiful shot. And I was like, why don't we do more of these like really tiny, cool short films teasing these bigger movies? Because they can only work as, because they don't make money. Oh, <laughs> they I can know. only yeah. be used as no, marketing. True, so. but definitely. I think, I, but I think this is excellent marketing. Like I hope the trailer is like, maybe don't do a trailer, just bring the film out now because this, is, this works so well as what their feet in the ground of this is what Jurassic World is now. Um, and just to be clear, this is what Spielberg was trying to do after Jurassic Park 3. Like, his next one that he wanted was this. It was dinosaurs all over the world. Um, and they were trying to figure out how to get to that. And it was meant to be for a long time, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill teaming up and flying mm-hmm. around the world, trying to, like, sort out this problem. Um, yeah, and we're finally there. And I'm, and I'm, yes, this gave me faith again. Yeah, for me, um, it's exciting for that reason, that we're finally getting to that narrative idea that was sort of teased so long ago because even like 
you know, I remember even when Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, the best one, or what, came out. Actually, I don't know if it's the best one. I think the first is still the best <laughs> one. But I love the second one. Anyway, um, I remember at the end of that, sort of there being conversations about, you know, about when they bring the T-Rex to San Diego and starting Jurassic Park on the mainland and like that was going to be like the spread from there and then yeah that narrative didn't happen then we had three and then like three has that image i think of the uh pterodactyls like flying out and then that was kind of like a setup of oh it's jurassic world like they're going to be free so it's really exciting to finally get to this idea because i wasn't a huge fan of fallen kingdom um yeah it was yeah i didn't i didn't enjoy it at all really um but this idea, like I, I enjoyed this short film. I thought the the sort of, yeah, the way that the action was directed and played out felt very similar to the original and the second one. Um, um, but for me, just the end credits with the like the footage from people's cameras and phones just took it up another notch for me. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, very exciting. Um, okay. Alex, this is where you get to be the adjudicator. We're going to talk about a little festival called TIFF, which is the Tokyo International <laughs> Film Festival. Uh, there's a lot of places that should be called TIFF. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, of course, Toronto International Film Festival, for those people who don't know, it's not quite as big as Cannes. It's not quite as big as, like... But it is one of the biggest festivals in the world. Um, it does all types of movies, from drama to genre to whatever. Well... Mm, that's not true. It does do all types of movies. Definitely not much action. <laughs> Definitely not many blockbusters. Okay, Guns um, Akimbo was real good, and that was an action movie. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> uh, Mary Beth saw lots of films there because you were covering them as a critic. I was. So you were being critical, obviously. Yes. <laughs> that's your job. That is my job. I saw 23 movies. Wow. Ooh, that's a lot. I know. In, and in I only saw four. Um, eight. Wow. Okay. I got there on the. I started watching movies on the fifth, and I left on the thirteenth. Um, which isn't even that many compared to some people. Some people saw thirty six. I don't know how they saw thirty six. Um, I just don't think they slept. I opted for some amount of sleep, and a little bit of time outside of a movie theater. So, but I still saw twenty three movies. So, seems like an admirable number for my. I was my first TIFF too. My first time ever going as a critic or like just a movie lover. So, yeah. And, and it's an interesting weird vibe it's like it's it's yeah in a city that it's spread out across but it's not actually spread that far it's mostly in one little borough um, yeah. which is kind of nice so you can walk from thing to thing other than the fucking Ryerson theater which I missed two of my movies because they're there and after our experience of queuing around the block I was like yeah I don't need to be doing that at 10 in the morning I'm fine <laughs> Um, and I'm really regretting it because one of the ones I missed was Jojo Rabbit and I really tortured about going or not and then I was like I can't get up and then it won the audience award and you, did, you didn't it. see it? no no I had tickets I was like I, can't I absolutely <laughs> love Jojo Rabbit yeah well let's not talk about that anymore then. yeah that uh, was on my list <laughs> I wish honestly I just couldn't I was up so late and I was just like I can't I can't do it and I had no one to go with if I'd had someone to go with then I would have done it um Alex please Okay, so I've only seen four films. Mary Beth has seen 500. Um, yeah. and ask any questions you want to ask about movies, however you want to frame it. Okay. Wait, do you want me to start now? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, guys. Give me your top five films from TIFF. Al, you just said you saw four. I was four. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make one up. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> Seems like a safe bet. Um, I'll go first go. since I saw yes. more. Okay. Um, Parasite. Um, Bong Joon-ho's new movie. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, yeah, I'm a sucker that. for Korean thrillers, though, so... Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is Celine Sciamma's new film. It's a period drama about lesbian romance, and it is every. And I don't usually like period movies, but so good. It was beautiful to watch. Um, Jojo Rabbit was also very good. Um, I really, I don't like. A lot of people didn't really like it. I don't know why. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was. I, like a lot I didn't of critics like it. Yeah, there's a lot critics, there was critics like it. that I know that didn't really like it. Um, right. But I think it was a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. I thought it was very Watiti humor, um, very stylish, and had a really great message to it. Um, the anti hate satire tagline is a little bit on the nose, but I still think it's really good. Um, I saw a really good film called Murmur which was really depressing about um, a woman who is an alcoholic who becomes obsessed with adopting senior dogs. <laughs> it's pretty sad, but it's really well done. It's done like in a pseudo-documentary style, like the writer, Chloe Zhao's the writer. Um, and I, it was like a shocker. One of those movies I didn't think I was going to like, but I ended up being one of my favorites at the festival. Um, and then uh, The Vigil which is the Midnight in the Midnight Madness program, um, which is basically like your typical exorcism movie, but placed in a Hasidic Jewish community. So it, it's a story you've seen done before, but from a different cultural lens, which makes it really interesting cool. and um, really exciting. Yeah, it was really, really good. And it had, some, it had some good jump scares. It had some cheesy jump scares, but it was really entertaining and also just like shifting the horror movie lens away from Catholicism to something different and showing that <laughs> yeah. other cultures can do that that kind of format just as well so yeah those are my top five i think i would say vast of night but i kind of fell asleep halfway through it because i was exhausted um and i feel really bad about that because i from what i saw it was beautiful but i think tiff kind of caught up with me on that last night plus some mm. of the wine i had to drink so uh was it or was it not coincidence that the one you sort of fell asleep in was the one you saw with me um i can either confirm nor deny al <laughs> That's what my company will do to a person. <laughs> Knock you right no, out. No, your company mm. had me drink a ha- like a third of a bottle of wine at dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that makes me sound any better. <laughs> no, I sound like an enable. No. Big I um, and then I got sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, I saw The Vast Night with you. I liked it a lot. It's got some problems, um, but it's you know a cheap movie that has huge ambitions and executes it really well. It's very moody, very atmospheric. Uh, it's also over one night. It's it's set in the fifties and it's very sort of Twilight Zoney. Some of the like uh, the long takes they do in that movie are absolutely oh, awesome. Yeah. Like the first question in the Q and A, like after you left, was how did you do the shot? And there's a shot about midway through, which the trailer is actually a portion of, um, and it's incredibly impressive. Very impressive. Um, yeah, I just really like. I really like what the director's doing. He had all the hair, by the way. If he you had. ever wake up and you wonder where it went, he's got so it. So much hair. I don't really yeah. remember seeing his face. No face, just two eyes, in hair. 
I'm in. I am I also saw Marriage Story, which I think is a masterpiece. Oh, I yeah, think that's it's on my list. Yeah, it's got like I I think I tweeted out, and that's really I I there's two Randy Newman stings in it, which for me are two fucking Randy Newman. When he has to do happy stuff, I don't like Randy Newman much outside of Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but the rest of the score is wonderful, and there's two scenes that are a little bit too over the top cartoonish for me, like they just go a little too far. Um, but the rest of it's so good. It's it's like two and a quarter hours long, and I thought, well, this is gonna feel it, and it didn't. Um, and it really hit me in the chest it took me a good hour to kind of recover afterwards i think they're both excellent in it but adam driver is i think it's maybe his best performance i've ever seen him i think he's stupendous in it. wow um, even better than kylo ren it, well you don't see his nipples quite as much his <laughs> but, weird um, giant chest with his giant pepperoni <laughs> nipples i'm so sorry yeah. Adam, could you uh, could you pull your trousers up a little bit higher, please, Adam? We just need to get this shot again. <laughs> On it. <laughs> Closer to the nipples, Adam. Keep pulling them up. <laughs> um, it's really good. It's a really good movie. And that's going to come to Netflix the beginning of December, I believe, for America. So uh, do check it out. Yeah, it's from Noah Bambach, who I've used to love. And this is him returning to form for me. I found he got a little too hipster and funny, a little too wry funny for me. Uh, recently, particularly when he was teaming up with Greta Gerwig, like I liked it, but I didn't love it. And this is for me him returning to a bit more sincere, um, and it's very real. It's for painfully real. It should not be called Marriage Story. It should be called Divorce Story. Yeah, because that's a, not a yeah. spoiler because it's the first scene of the yeah. movie. Is that, yeah. So. Um, are you excited? I presume for him, they. Oh, are you excited for him to direct Barbies with uh, Greta Gerwig? <laughs> What do you say? He's directing the new Barbie movie with Greta Oh, he is, isn't he? He's directing the Barbie movie. Yeah, he said, that's going to be too right hipster funny. I know it. <laughs> don't even know what that's going to be. <laughs> um, I saw Uncut Gems. Um, just, but that was the final film I saw, and it was on the last film shown, or re-shown at TIFF. Uh, that's the new film from the Safdie brothers, who did um, Good Time with Robert Pattinson, which I fucking love. And they did... What's that movie they did just before it? Daddy Long Legs. Uh, no, that was ages ago. The the one about LA, like street. Um, fuck, what's it called? Heaven only knows. I think that's it. Yeah. Heaven something. I wasn't a big fan of that one because I felt like they just revel in misery a bit too much. Good time, I really loved. For me, that was the right balance. Uncut Gems, I think, is an indisputably excellently made movie. Adam Sandler gives like a great performance in it. Um, it has one of the most bold slash irritating depending on your mood musical scores i've ever heard <laughs> um and it's just endless stress it's just an endless stress ball of oh my god everything is so fucking stressful all the time and i do think it's an excellent movie it wasn't as much my flavor of movies good time i felt like but there's one point so mary beth see if you can decode this and for the two people who have seen uncut gems i actually didn't listening. see uncut gems oh you didn't see it oh okay there's one point in the movie that is my favorite bit and it's a scene about midway through where it's actually quite quiet and someone's character is subverted in their actions everyone else's character in it is like what's the opposite of subverted verted yeah everybody else and everyone else is just like yep everything's going to keep getting stressful because life is stressful and kind of terrible um so i didn't personally enjoy it as much as good time uh but it is definitely well done and adam's not great Apparently, it's based off of the Safdie brothers' dad. 
Oh, really? Yeah, there's yeah, a, lot, I a lot of that. the movies are based off of their dad, like, inspired by their dad being like, a real-life hustler, and he was a diamond, or, like, a, he worked in, like, gemstones, and a lot of that movie is based off of their father. I can believe it. It seems very personal. Yeah, I, but um, apparently this is, like, their last movie, or people are saying it's, like, their last movie inspired by their dad, because I think Daddy Long Legs, Heaven Only Knows, is what it's called. Okay. Um, okay. Heaven, no, Heaven Knows What, Jesus. Heaven, Heaven Knows, knows what. what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good Time and Hustlers all kind of had inspiration from their dad or people in their lives. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, there's apparently all a really intrigued. good Criterion documentary about the Safdie brothers where they talk a lot about that. Oh, really? I have a bet going um, with Kayla. Um, she thinks that their next movie's not going to be stressful. And I think they're very much feet in the ground. This is what we do. I mean, this is what we make now. We make Maybe they stressful, just all of a sudden come, become very sad. Movies. We shall see <laughs> um Alex I do have, you know uh, what time it is one more question for you oh for yeah for you both uh so from all those films that you saw what were your what was your standout director standout writing writer standout performance Um, I feel Mary Best should go because again I'm picking for four and one of them I'm trying not to talk about just yet okay <laughs> um so outstanding performance was Shia LaBeouf and Honey Boy um God damn. Oh, I really want to see Honey Boy I couldn't get up for that either it was too early that's on my Honey list Boy was absolutely beautiful I just read my review of it and cried about it <laughs> because it's such a good movie um I don't even know like where to begin with that film. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, when is that getting a U.S. release? I don't know. Right. It's Amazon. All oh, right. Okay. Um, of course it is. But so is Vast of Night. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, it just, did, got it? It just got bored in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's oh, actually November eighth is when it's supposed to, as Honey Boy. Awesome. But it's like it's written by Shia LaBeouf, um, mm-hmm. and it's based it's based on his experience as a kid with his father and how that gave him PTSD um which I can relate to a little bit um as a kid with a pretty gross dad and so it was like super emotional and just very beautiful and Shia LaBeouf plays his own father which has got to be the most difficult thing ever but Mm. he's amazing um best director probably Bong Joon-ho for Parasite um best writer I don't know. Okay. Who cares about the writers? <laughs> no, actually, I think it would have to be Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy. Nice. I think. Wow. I think maybe because that movie was just like hit me in a very personal level, but I think the way he kind of adapts his life into that narrative is really well done. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. For me, all three awards would go to Marriage Story. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> Alex, which means it's time, and for most people still listening, God bless you. Um, I guess they're here to listen to three-tier discussion about Joker. Alex, what? I know you don't want to hear anything. Yeah, because <laughs> if you, you recall prob- back to our July Fourth episode uh, when we spoke about movies coming out the end of this year, that was uh, at the top of my list. Yeah. I think it was everyone other than me where I said I want it to be but I don't trust this director so I'm like I feel That's the trailers right. make me think it's going to be but I don't know if I trust the out the final thing mm-hmm. 
do you i mean mary beth's opinions she's a critic so she's said them um so she doesn't like it yep or parts of it sure don't um uh do you wish to hear any more alex or are you fine <laughs> i'm good i'm good cool. perfect i don't like it <laughs> would yeah. you like to uh, just know if i liked it or not without me saying why or parts of it or anything like that yeah or are you fine no okay. tell me this is this is tricky <laughs> Um, I don't know if I can answer that question. So okay, that's fine. <laughs> Alex was reading me along for days. I still don't know his, any of his opinions about this movie. It's because okay, the honest truth is, I think it's a very complicated movie without knowing it's a complicated movie. That's the honest truth. So I think so. My feelings about the movie are incredibly complicated, and I don't know if they've quite settled yet. And okay. it's a movie where. I don't think you should have to do homework to know if you like a movie or not, but I've had to do homework. Like, I've had to go and listen to a lot of interviews and, you know, like, hear why what their intentions were because I think there's so many different ways you can read this movie. Enough so said. So that's, that's, been, that's been my kind of, yeah, my, my output. Output, takeaway. Alex, as you sup upon your hamster wheel, little water bottle there. <laughs> We're going to bid you farewell, my friend. Do you want to let people know where they can harass you? Uh, in my hamster cage, I'll be on my giant wheel <laughs> going for a run. <laughs> That's how you look so good. Yeah, thank you. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alexander Chard. Um, yeah. That's it. You'll be back in a couple of days to talk about Blair <coughs> Witch with me. So oh, I will. Exciting. Um, exciting, exciting. So I bid you both farewell. Mary Beth, it was a pleasure Hi. to have you on our podcast. Thanks so I wish I could... Uh, well, no, I don't wish I could hear what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can listen after you've seen it in three weeks' time. Yep, I will. There you go. Adios, my friend. Bye, guys. Bye. So quickly, before we go, let's do all the spoilers. No! He's still got his headphones on. It's perfect. God damn it. Let's go. All right, so before people run in fleeing, we're going to do a mild, like, a no spoilers really, but more spoilers than Alex is comfortable with in terms of, you know, he doesn't even want to know, like, feelings and, you know, oh, I like this half, but not this half or yeah. anything, you know. Um, so, again, I know you have a whole piece out there. If you want to, like, tell people where they can go read that, then they can read your, f you know, those formatted thoughts. Um, and then we can do verbal thoughts here cool. as much as you want to. Yeah, um, so if anyone wants to read my full review, it's on muchadoaboutcinema.com, um, where I write, I think, I think almost a thousand words about the film and my feelings about it. So this is the thing for me. I went into the movie... Uh, so, yeah, the movie's about to come out. I think it's important to do some precedence with this, because the movie's about to come out and it wins um, the Venice. Uh, was it Venice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then there's, you know, a lot of hype about it, obviously. Which there was fairly hype anyway. Um, mm. And then yourself and some other critics start coming out and saying some negative things about it in different, different, to different extremes. Um, by the time I'm there, because I want to feed into this weird tweet that I did quickly. By the time I'm queuing up to it, like I've asked, I've not read your piece yet because like I don't want to go in knowing too much about it or be informed. I just want to understand, all right, there's many different opinions already. Yeah. So I'm prepared for a film that's going to like, you know, I could, it could be interpreted. I'm in queue for like an hour and there's four uh, people in front of me and I want to enthuse that I'm talking about four specific people not all critics <laughs> that's the important thing to enthuse they happen to be critics um, and they were 
not just slamming Joker, uh, quoting a line from it that I don't even think ended up in the film. I think it was just in the trailer. So the thing is, sorry, just like to interject, they yes. the screenplay came out leaked online. Yes. So a okay. lot of people have read that and had kind of set up expectations from what they read in the screenplay. Okay. So So the We Live in a Society line was from the screenplay then, was it? Yeah. Probably. But like there is that kind of line at the end. A little like it's not exactly we live in a sort society, of. but there's like definitely a very we live in a society line. But mm-hmm. a lot of the talk about specific dialogue is from the screenplay that people okay. read. Okay, well that makes more sense. So they were quoting it um, from that then, I guess. But in the, obviously quoted. Jesus, that's a lot of energy devoted into that screenplay. <laughs> Well, that, well, just that line, just that we live in a society, about 15 times before we went into cinema. Um, you know, very droll every time. And as these four critics amassed, they were discussing all the films they'd seen at TIFF, and, well, they were all just like, we kind of believe we're here for Joker. Like, they'd all made up their minds that they hated the film, and they hadn't seen it yet. We're standing in line to see it, you know, which for me, at least, was like, well, you're, you're one of your many difficult jobs as a critic is to try and divorce any previous knowledge and go into a film and judge it yeah. from your own perspective. And they'd be honest about that. Um, which is all very difficult. But they seem to have no intention to do that. Um, which, who cares? These are four critics, you know? <laughs> like, And I did a candid tweet, like, because I kept sort of trying to get involved with the conversation, but they were clearly not wanting me to, which is completely fine. I'm a weird stranger standing in line on my own next to them. Why would they? Um, but then I just had to listen to them talk about every film I've seen at TIFF, and they were just tearing them all down. And not in a constructive way, not in a, oh, it's really depressing that this was bad, but in a relishing with glee, oh, yeah, this was terrible, and this was terrible because of this, and just, like, this kind of, like, you know, art school mentality of, like, we're so cool because we hate everything that we're lucky enough to get to see, you know? And I'm all for criticism. I think it's great. It's very necessary. I'm all for hating movies. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, But when people are relishing the glee of hating everything, and they didn't mention one movie that they really loved, it really just, like, irked me you know i was like surely at some point not too long ago you enjoyed movies enough to be excited to do this and now you just seem to enjoy tearing down what people are trying to create yeah so i did a a tweet about it and then two days later dc comics in brazil retweeted it and then it became not very big at all it's only had like a few hundred like interactions and retweets and stuff but for me the biggest thing i've ever done on twitter and everyone seemed to from what i understand because i do not understand their native tongue uh, everyone took it out of context. People then started complaining about, yeah, right, critics, they're the worst. Then complaining that American critics are the worst. And I had to do a next another tweet basically trying to say, just to be clear, <laughs> I was speaking about four individuals standing in front of me. And in absolutely no way am I speaking about critics <laughs> as a whole, you know? Uh, which, of course, that gets about four likes because no one gives a shit when you're trying to say something rational or sensible online, only when you're saying things that could be inflammatory. Yep. So, yay. Um, so, just to be clear, if for some reason you found us because you were a big fan of that tweet, you can leave us now because Please. that's not how I intended it to be taken. Please leave. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you really want to talk about it or not, but you've obviously had kickback because you didn't like a movie that people people get upset about that yeah and it's actually interesting because a lot of the people that responded to your tweet were had a very similar sentiment of like yeah critics suck they don't understand art and it's very frustrating because like 
so one of I think one of my review was one of the first ones to come out of TIFF, or I don't know if it was like the first one, but like I think it was one of the earlier ones because I wrote it really quickly because I had a lot of very visceral reactions to the film. So I wrote it really quickly. I wanted to kind of like go off of those feelings and write my review, and so I put it out there and like I gave it a headline that was negative because I mean like I don't know why lie. And I was honest. I think it's a politically irresponsible movie. I think it, like, from my rating of it, I think it's not a good movie. Like, from, like, the story perspective. Um, but I address, like, production value and everything in my in my review. Like, I think it's a beautiful movie. I think Phoenix's performance is great. Um, but, of course, uh, the trolls came. The DC uh, comic trolls came and called me names. Said that critics are stupid. And just like comment after comment about how I'm an idiot. Um, cool, awesome, made me feel great. Um, I'm a huge fan of Batman. I have a ton of Batman comics. I mean, I shouldn't have to prove that to anybody, but like, I love Batman. I think Joker is a really interesting character. I was actually like kind of excited for this movie, and it was hard for me to kind of divorce what I'd heard out of Venice from seeing this because it is hard to kind of try to see something like outside of what you've already heard um I really tried to have that kind of more neutral perspective going in but I just I hated it (laughs) and I was actually told by some people like yeah we're not covering it or we're not going to talk about it because we don't want trolls but I think that's kind of letting trolls win in a way by like not sharing your honest opinions about something I'm not trying to tell you not to go see it I'm not trying to tell you that it's the worst thing ever made it's my opinion I don't get paid to write my like my I'm not paid for that site I just shared my opinion I'm not trying to like change the world or like dismantle the movie just telling you it's not good so from my perspective let's be crystal clear like this shouldn't need saying but whether you're getting paid for something or not you know unless you're getting paid off that's a very different yeah. sentiment whether you're getting paid for something or not whether no matter like what side it's on no matter how many batman comics you do or do not own it's always a critic's opinion like it doesn't yeah. matter like you get to say whatever you want to say and the the thing with an audience is you find the critics that you feel are reflecting your like tastes and then you can have guidance with the movies that you want to see that's exactly. really the way you should do it if someone you find has the opposite reaction to you to a whole bunch of films then that's their opinion and just like hopefully they're not going to come in your house and fucking tell you you're a fucking idiot for having your opinion you don't do that to them you just stop reading their opinions because maybe you don't agree or in alignment with where they are where they're at and that's completely fine but hopefully you can like if you're a real film lover hopefully you like being challenged and that's what i like i like reading critic reviews that are opposite of mine personally because i like to see how something was interpreted very differently and i yeah. like to have to go away and think about it but i appreciate it. not everyone wants to do that like not everyone wants to be challenged or has that time but somehow they have the time <laughs> to go online and bitch about things and be mean to people and it's ridiculous i think it also kind of reinforces like my point about the movie about how it kind of feeds in i think it'll kind of feed in to a certain kind of attitude and a certain kind of fan and those people were the ones like a lot of um like just to say a lot of men were the people commenting and saying things to me about my review without having actually read it um and people did read it and didn't agree with me and that's fine like you don't have to agree with me but just they kind of proved my point inadvertently by harassing me online anyway it's just interesting to see kind of like they kind of 
the optics were very fascinating anyway okay so now we're actually going to get into full spoilers so if you haven't seen joker yet or you think you're going to and you care about it then come back to this in a few weeks and just like put it on pause and leave us in your little thing come back and if you've seen it anywhere then yeah this is where we're gonna talk about it because now i get to say and this is why i'm looking forward to having this conversation here we'll make it we won't go on for too long but like continuing this conversation with you is because i like talking to you because i actually i read your piece afterwards obviously and i read it twice because i wanted to like Oh, thanks. Soak it all in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really, really, uh, you know, a chore to, to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I read it twice, and here's the thing. I kind of agree with you, but for the opposite reasons. Okay. Um, so I really want to get into that, because I think it's a very complicated movie, and like I said, I had to then go and... Because I don't hold the director, Todd Phillips, in that high regard from his previous films. Yeah. Uh, and for people who don't know, he did like Hangover. He did. Didn't he do Due Date? Uh, yeah, he's that in one. a bunch of those like kind of gross comedies. Yeah, which aren't my favorite thing, but I no problem with those existing. That's fine. It's just not for me. Um, so I had to go and like listen to him, and I have been surprised. Like I do think he's actually quite an intelligent, well articulated person, um, and I found a lot of what he had to say interesting, but a lot of it also backed up some of my concerns about the film. Um, and I've written down a bunch of quotes from it, actually, that I'll bring up cool. as we go through. But, yeah, I'm going to tell you how I felt about it. So, like, let's start with the good things, because you did say you praised just the production of it, basically. Yeah, I think it was a beautiful movie to see. Like, just from, like, an aesthetic perspective, I think the production value is beautiful. I think they did a really good job capturing a dirty, awful city. I think the colors of the Joker's suit, like the mustardy yellows and the greens, these, like, rich hues... And his suit were reflected in each in each of the settings, and I think they did a really good job, like making this apartment look very real. And I think the editing was really interesting. And I also the camera work with, especially there's a part where he's dancing for the first time, or kind of like a weird jerky dance, and the way it moves in close up. I think there's some really beautiful, like technical work happening in the movie. I think it's really gorgeous like I said gorgeous to look at and I think Joaquin Phoenix's performance I mean is commendable I think he really threw his whole self into it I mean I know there's those ridiculous articles that like he lost 52 pounds which I don't think we should glorify by by any Mm -hmm. stretch of the imagination but I mean he really threw himself into the role I think he did an amazing job with what he had I think I mean, not to, like, talk about the Academy Awards, he's probably going to be a contender in the Academy Awards, which, like, isn't my favorite thing in the world, but, like, he did a, his performance, I mean, he was in almost every scene of the movie, and he really, like, held it down. Yeah. And you love the score as well, don't you? I did love the score. The score, I had a really hard time accessing any kind of empathy in this movie for his character, but the score really got me to feel that empathy, which... I think is really admirable and it's a female um a female uh composer she did like the arrival score and i cannot pronounce her name and i'm a terrible Mm -hmm. person but i think her score was absolutely gorgeous yeah yeah and it's a very like weirdly minimalist but bombastic score yes there's like the parts Um, where it gets really loud all of a sudden and kind of chaotic and i think it captures that kind of inner chaos coming out in in, in arthur fleck which i think is really interesting so yeah, so here's the thing. I feel like I'm in a car that I've 
it's a it's like revved and the fucking engine's gone and it wants to go at like 100 miles an hour but the handbrake's on like that's how i feel with this movie like i'm ready i'm so ready to really love this movie and i reserve the right upon future reflection and rewatching to love it but there are these things in this film that are big hang-ups for me and weirdly i saw a very different movie from you so like when i came out of it and thought i understood your problems and then i read your piece i was like oh wow you're coming at this from a very different place yeah um, from how i saw it because a lot of your problems and correct me if i'm misquoting you is to do with the glorification of his kind of character really and this anarchist you know particularly in our current political climate and with things that are happening with gun control and stuff like that to be idolizing really this this villain um, yeah and i specifically not necessarily even about gun control but just like glorifying a person who thinks they deserve the, yes, world, the world when they don't really deserve it and a person so that, who is being glorified and made a hero who shouldn't be made into a hero so this is where it's interesting because mm-hmm. i did not see that film at all i okay. what i saw was a cautionary tale um okay. what i 100 percent saw was look here's a character you can feel sympathetic for um and by the end of this they're gonna become a monster and for i I felt like that i felt that that was a very purposeful thing for me from the way the film was constructed which is why i had to then go and like listen to directors what they were trying to do and then the thing that i didn't think was purposeful which is where i think it's kind of damaging a different way uh was an accidental thing where it feels like a cautionary tale of left-wing extremism being a reaction to right-wing extremism basically because Mm -hmm. what's really interesting in this movie i feel is like bruce wayne's father is painted as like a trump character basically like the rich are very much painted in this modern sort of like exaggerated republican kind of light and weirdly yeah our anti-hero is this underdog and is you know meant to be speaking for the common man um but then by the end of the movie to me at least it was very clear like this is cautionary this is like look at the nightmare that has now happened and how the like well, like a just cause has become a completely unjust cause and just mayhem by the end because we didn't know this because we were pushing back so hard which for me is problematic in a whole different way because i think that's a very interesting thing to talk about yeah if they meant to or not <laughs> um but then you're throwing in while we're doing this through the lens of a comic book movie where people are going in with preconceptions because we know the joker and yes he's a villain but people like the joker and then we're going in as well with something where they're going to talk about mental illness and it's very clear even though they never say it that he is mentally ill they handled that so poorly i'm sorry that was such a bad no and i agree i agree um and my and then they do some stupid things like there's a twist and i'm using inverted commas there's a twist in the movie of his relationship with this woman that while i was watching the movie i was like well i'm really the first half of the movie i'm like yeah it's beautifully made i love the score his performance is amazing i think and i do think regardless of whether it's a terrible film or a response film whatever i do think it's potentially the bravest comic book movie ever made like it's incredibly different and brave and crazy um and i was really kind of ready to love it in that first half other than this fucking relationship with this woman um i've forgotten the actress's name thank you um which is it's terrible and i was like and i was anticipating oh this must be what you're going to be talking about in your review because it's so terrible how you know how they set her up and how she's just like in love with him and all these ridiculous things and then there's a twist later on 
we're oh no that's not true at all and the music tells you this is meant to be a big twist and my problem was was like no all you're doing like i'm happy that that wasn't true that you weren't writing a female character that terribly where she would fall in love with the clearly abusive and terrifying man who's twice her age down the hall who's creepy as fuck and just out of nowhere gives herself to him but i'm very unhappy because it's like you made me feel there's a terrible relationship in this film for most of the film and then you do a twist at the end where i'm like okay that doesn't make me feel happier you know (laughs) because these scenes were then terrible so some i was talking to someone about that and i was like because so the way i viewed it as this like kind of i i know todd phillips wanted this to be kind of making fun of incel characters i don't think they did a good enough job with that from my perspective i think having the zazie beats plotline go on for so long and then reveal that she's it's a figment of his imagination should have happened so much earlier i think and someone i know said this like it should have been the first time he talks to her you reveal that it's a fantasy and then it becomes more interesting and like creepy but you said make it look like he got the girl and i think or make that believable exactly and like it was just so strange and i think that is a big part of it not feeling like they lean into the fan like his fantasy aspect enough i don't think they did a good job yeah. with portraying him being crazy and like crazy which is a terrible word but like they don't i don't think yeah, they yeah. did a good job with that i think they made it look too easy and make him made him look too good in a way with that I mean, her look See, that, that, that's where I don't... Like, I do... I agree there's a lot more they could have done going into his mind, and that whole... Yeah, those whole scenes then just don't work for me, um, which is a problem, because then it's just wasted time of you making me not like your film because of those aspects, and then you're tricking me later with it, you know? Um, but I, I did feel... I did feel his kind of arc, and it's difficult, because it's a two-hour movie, and, and I do feel the second hour has some slogs. Like, the second hour, like, just on a technical level, like, there's plenty that could be taken out. Um, and I don't ever need to hear Whacking Phoenix laugh ever again because <laughs> there's so much so much painful forced laughter in the movie I just it's a comic book movie as much as they don't want it to be it's a fucking comic book movie like it's the Joker the fact that they had him laughing because he hit his head as a kid and not that he just was laughing at like violence I just think that's so silly to me like why are you giving him a mental illness that makes him laugh when he just like i guess my whole thing like going into the joker was that i love the joker because i don't feel any empathy for him i think he's just a cool gross villain that does like is a foil to batman and they these weird like foils to each other and like you need the batman to have joker and you joker to have batman and it's like the super cool dynamic i don't need to know the background story for him and i don't think empathy is necessary for that character and I was already kind of cautious going in just thinking like why do we need to empathize with a psychopath um like what are they going to do to make me really care and they just (laughs) didn't hit it for me I think they tried too hard to make it a cautionary tale and like you said a cautionary tale or glorification of this character in a way that it just doesn't land for me either way and I just don't really understand it's not it didn't feel like a joker movie to me if it wasn't it could have been any guy and they just like happened to have the waynes in it for like a couple minutes or like they're in arkham and they're in gotham yeah you know what i mean like it yeah just i mean didn't feel I, like no no joker i know movie. what you mean but i i like that so i mean i like i've always wanted comic movies to get more to this place like my favorite comic book movie isn't a comic movie and it's unbreakable you know okay. and it's yeah, yeah, i've yeah. always wanted comic movies to get more see, to this you should see freaks 
them. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Plugging another no, movie no, no. that's like a superhero movie, but not. It's really good. <laughs> No, no, I definitely will. Sorry. Um, no, so I was totally on board with that. I'm totally on board with their vision of it, and I'm actually very impressed, and again, from listening to him talk, with like how he's able to carry this off from a director that I didn't think could. Um, but I do think they've, they're dealing with, yeah, A, a preconception, because everyone has a preconception of Joker. Um, and then, yeah, like dealing with mental illness is like, that's a, difficult, that's a very tricky thing to do. And no, I don't think they necessarily do it in the, res- the correct, responsible way. But I do believe his arc. And for me, yes, I started off sympathetic and I ended up in awe in a bad way, like bad awe, not like this is awesome, <laughs> of the chaos that was created and feeling sick. Like the ending felt sick to me because like we're close to that kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that for me, it made me think about stuff, but I didn't know if it made me think about stuff they wanted me to think about or not. So like, I'm going to throw in a few quotes from the director here because okay. I've listened to a bunch of stuff. Some was from Venice, some was from TIFF, and some was from interviews. Um, he had said stuff like, it's certainly not a political film, which then, in a sentence later, was like, well, for some people it is. <laughs> um, he did say here something which makes sense to me, where he says, whenever we got to the part where we felt like we were coming up with a definitive reason for anything, we would back away from it, and we found a way to circumnavigate it as much as we could. Which, for me, is the biggest problem with the film. It's like, they don't have the balls to follow through with what they're trying to deal with here like i think they actually have some good ideas here and they just don't they keep shying away and by shying away it creates it open to so much interpretation that you can read a lot of stuff into this movie you know um he does here say like he says you root for him until you can't root for him anymore you're certainly not meant to be rooting for him by the ending and he said that like quite a few times because i think yes quite a few people have come away with your interpretation of it so now he's trying to like course correct that a little bit of saying you're definitely not meant and someone actually then asked him from the audience who said aren't you worried that giving him a mental illness that people won't be able to see him as a villain by the end of the film to which todd phillips replied no he said and laughing and it wasn't in a bad laugh it was in a nice audience laugh kind of way he said i watched scarface and i like him the whole time and he kind of seems regretful of that but he said but he said, I think it's very clear in this movie. And he's like, it's okay to watch the movie through a different lens, but that's certainly not the intention. Um, and that's not what he wanted people to take away from it. He said, we carefully don't label Arthur um, with what he has, other than an extreme form of narcissism. Um, and his direction to Phoenix was always saying, you're the tunnel at the end of the light, basically. Um, which to me makes sense with all the stuff I liked about the movie, you know? But, yeah, I just feel like, okay, if you're going to do that, then you have to be so, you have to fucking hit it so well. So, and that's my thing. Like, you can't just say he has a mental illness as a blanket and think like, oh, yeah, not labeling it's fine. But that actually is harmful. Like, if you had hit, if you, like, just having him have a car that says, I have a mental illness or a head injury, that makes me laugh uncontrollably. But then you're also on seven different medications and you have just gone off those medications. It's... To someone who has a mental illness, it is irresponsible to just say mental illness is what's happening here and just assume that that a blanket statement is okay. I think they needed to just commit to something. If they're going to have him have a mental illness, then commit to something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think it's in 2019. We should move past just being like, mental illness, he's bad. I just, it feels lazy. No, I agree. Um, and that and that was really the thing that I took away from it was like uh, yeah the second half of me slugs um, 
the, the way you're approaching mental illness, I don't feel you're being as responsible with it as you should. And this whole stuff to do with his sort of girlfriend, not girlfriend, doesn't work the way you want it to. It just makes me really not like that part of your movie until you reveal that wasn't the intent. And then I'm like, well, then what was the point, you know? Um, but to be clear, everything else around it, I really like. Like, I really do. And I'm really all for, like, I know what you said earlier about to do with... Um, this kind of psychopathic behavior like not wanting to understand like i love like i'm i'm very happy to understand like i'm very happy to like get that insight um but you then have to write it incredibly smartly i think that's and my i thing. think phoenix is performing it very smartly but i don't know if it's written that smartly i think that's my my problem with the whole thing is i think it's very poorly written i think they had a lot of really interesting ideas that i would have been excited for if they had been written better i think the writing was very sloppy i think a lot of the dialogue was very sloppy i think it felt to me like a, like a college, like a high school college student wrote it as like a fanboy, but wanted to make it gritty. And I know I'm sounding like I'm coming off rough on it. I just I think it's going to inspire a lot of people the wrong way. And like, I mean, Phillips might not want people to read it that way. And like, I have people in my mention saying, "Well, people have watched Silence of the Lambs and they haven't done anything." I'm like, that's not the point, though. Like, like Hannibal Lecter isn't revered the way that the Joker is revered by a lot of people, and. I just worry that people are going to see this movie and take away the wrong message. And as a woman, that's scary, because I know, like, there's not a ton of, like, violence against women in this movie, which I'm very grateful for, but, like, a lot of men who have those attitudes towards women are going to see this movie and be like, see him as a hero, and that concerns me a lot. And I think that's where I was coming from, is from a place of, like, fear and concern about what people are going to see this and what they're going to take away from it. And it just felt irresponsible to me to not kind of take that into consideration in what your film is. No, I, and I completely appreciate that. I think the interesting problem that this comes into is it's actually it's so well made from a very grounded place that then, yeah, it introduces the problem for potentially the first time of, yeah, we're taking a character like saying that people love. So this is the problem. People already love the Joker, even though they know he's bad. Yeah, exactly. Know? And that's fine so you're gonna feed that in and he looks great like the face paint looks fucking awesome and you know the way he poses looks awesome like it, it's a very like visually appealing way to show this character it really really is um and but the problem is like we as a society are really into anti-heroes and there's a very thin line of the responsibility with that and yeah i do think it's impossible to tell when you're making the film like i do think you can only tell once it's out and then you realize oh this is the reaction because you can't control how people are gonna you know yeah, watch exactly. it and maybe Todd phillips failed with how he was trying to do it and maybe he didn't um and yes with this kind of fan base for sure there's going to be a lot of people who don't think of any of the things you've talked about any of the things i've talked about they're just going to see this movie with this stuff happening with this character and and yeah maybe hold him up as some idol and for sure loads of people will be dressed as him for halloween this year <laughs> lots and lots of people um and i'm it's very difficult but that's something that's been around for so long like for yeah. me always the weirdest one is you know fucking kids would dress up as freddy krueger who's a child murderer and molester and yet we idolize him it's fucking bizarre and yet everyone's fine with it because it's, he's an entertaining <laughs> like child yeah, murderer no, it's not, so it's true just, but this isn't entertaining that's the thing this is like grueling it is grueling so it's hard it to creates watch. a different problem it's yeah. grueling and i think it is a complicated movie like i've had a lot of, i can't stop thinking about it in a way where i just like i think i got in my own head and didn't want to like seem like i wrote it off 
But the what I wrote, I still stand by. I write about how I, I stand by how I think it is irresponsible. I think the wrong people are going to see it and take the wrong thing away from it. And I think that's important to talk about. Um, but I also yeah, appreciate absolutely. other perspectives, people who liked it. I mean, like, I think I was clouded by frustration the entire time. Um, I kept trying to push that frustration away, but it kept coming back. <laughs> um, I wanted to view it more impartially, but I just, at the end of the day, I couldn't, like... Oh, but you're a human being <laughs> and I'm a human being and yeah. the person who watches but this is kind of point you had a vehement reaction to it in a, in a quite a visceral way um, and someone else is going to have that in the way that you're fearing in terms of like that was fucking amazing that guy's incredible like I want to be him and we can't control those visceral reactions that we have to something yeah. and it's and unfortunately or fortunately and I don't know <laughs> which some days it's everybody's right to say that stuff you know and it's just as much their right to then say how much they love and idolize him even if we all think that's terrifying <laughs> as it's absolutely your right to say i think this is an irresponsible and and you know kind of dangerous movie with how it's approached some of these subjects you know i just wish people um, wouldn't attack everyone else's opinion on the internet like if we could just well, exactly. stop doing that that's not gonna happen that'd be cool <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like to laugh all that off because that's how I do when people are mean to me on Twitter, but it hurts people. So, you know, it's... Um, I actually have a friend if you who's are listening death to death threats us. because of Joker. So, like... I got death threats when I was a critic just for writing Walking Dead reviews and saying I didn't like this episode of Walking Dead as much as how they handled it in the comic. <laughs> and literal death threats from that. I just... I um, don't... Yeah, but I, I but I've learned to divorce myself from that a long time ago. But then I stepped away from it as well because I was like, I can't. I just don't need that in my life. It's just, um, it but is, it didn't. It is hard as a critic. Like you do what you love, but it is hard putting your opinion out there when you know there's a lot of people who actually wish you harm because you're just putting your opinion on the internet and you're trying to but it, perf- give a good kind of but, nice opinion. Or but this moment. is the thing: these are people who are talking about themselves. They're not talking about you. No, <laughs> like true. anybody yeah. who has that kind of reaction to something and is that unreasonable is either just stupid uh or they have actual issues with themselves and with things in their own life so i kind of read that stuff and i just feel sorry for them to be honest um and i don't mean that in a condescending way i mean i feel genuinely sorry because it means they're going through stuff um but anyway yeah if people are listening to this and you do go online and you're mean to people be constructively mean you can tell people you don't agree with them you can tell like you really you know you can say that you hate something i don't like that word but you can use that if you want to but just be constructive with it like don't don't tear anybody else down for having an opinion because at the bottom line look i want to make movies you're like currently talking about movies we love movies they're just movies movies, (laughs) like they can affect things but it's just movies like everyone calm down it doesn't matter they're very important <laughs> movies are very important cultural objects yeah. but they're not worth exactly. calling people names and getting death threats over very little is very little is if anything um, I would be interested to see what happens when it is widely released and like what kind of conversations come out of it from there yeah absolutely I'm not looking forward to peop- someone said to me people are going to be writing papers about this movie for decades and I was like because God, why? Um, but it's just going to be. I can be believe a, that. It's going to be a hot, hot, hot bed of discourse on the internet when this movie finally comes out. Why? And I am. Um, no, definitely. I'm not just going to get into Marvel DC stuff, which will be a whole different bold of bullshit. Because um, <laughs> we're not allowed to like both. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, but I, I again, I do applaud DC for allowing them to take things this crazy. This is a very brave thing to do with a character uh, that is is very precious to their properties at a time when they're pretty much failing with a lot of their films. So. Also, they didn't have like the DC. I didn't see any like DC branding at the beginning, right? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. I do want to walk back. I know some people are shouting at me now. They're not failing financially, in my humble opinion. They're critically failing yeah, they're some cri- of their I mean, just like, the but films aren't the best. But yeah. they're doing well. But, like, they didn't... They're I don't think well. they brand... Because usually at the beginning of those movies, they have, like, the DC Comics logo. Yeah, they, they I didn't, didn't notice it. But also, I don't know if a festival... Maybe they'll attach it for wide. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Not sure. But because they um, had a lot of production company stuff, I was just curious. Because I thought it was weird they didn't have that. But maybe yeah, I know Todd Phillips did say like they were very, they didn't interfere. They let them do what they wanted to do, which he was very appreciative. And he had kind of pitched a whole. He was like, "Hey, let's do um, a low budget, basically sub tier of the DC universe where we take all of these characters seriously." Um, and he wasn't necessarily intending to do Joker first, um, and they kind of allowed him to do this one to see if they'll allow people to do more of this kind of thing where DC but taken seriously, basically. I mean, maybe that'll um, be their way to go for them to differentiate themselves from the Marvel stuff. Maybe. I, I want to see Aquaman. <laughs> Don't end this one. Gritty Aquaman, <laughs> just like covered in shark bites. <laughs> just a crazy guy walking around New York City. Covered, yeah, covered in seaweed. <laughs> Talking to like goldfish in the window. <laughs> anyway, okay. I think we said everything we need to say yeah. really, about Joker. I am yet to tell really how I feel. I definitely will need to see it again at some point. And beyond mm-hmm. anything else, let's stop being mean to people, please. <laughs> it's really a waste of everybody's time. Stop being rude on the internet, please. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Mary Beth, really thank you for talking. It's of been course, thank a you pleasure. for having me. I'm glad I could talk about the Joker with someone who, d- who liked it more than I did, but have like, a nice conversation about it. That's the best thing. Like, having the same... Like when we do our podcast each week on Fridays, I hate it when we all have the same opinions on the film, and we quite often do. I much prefer it when we've got different opinions, and then we can have a nice, healthy discussion about yeah. it. Yeah. Because what's the point of being li- alive unless you can keep expanding your views on things? We're um, to fight people. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I do like to fight, it's true. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, where can people find you online if they want to be nice to you? Yeah, <laughs> or you sensible, can, at least. You can find me online on Twitter at mb mcandrews um i write regularly for much ado about cinema and nightmare on film street with a new column coming out on bloody disgusting um in the ne- in the coming weeks so um be on the lookout for that i write a lot about horror movies so if you like horror movie coverage why not give me a follow why not um <laughs> that's why a good not? place why not, why not? Um, I'm Mr. Al White on everything as well as on those video games if you want to play some stuff with me please feel free um, and I was going to have something funny to say as a sign off but it's gone I'm too tired to be funny and I need We're to the toilet yet again Joker world we, we are I'm very I'm, I'm happy I saw it at the festival it's an interesting vibe to see it in yeah. um Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know when we'll do another one of these podcasts. It'll happen at some point, but we'll be back on Friday to talk about Blair Witch. Until then, we are out. Thank you again, Mary Beth. Thank you.